and welcome to episode three of Roaming Theater Collaborative's Shelter in Play. This week, we are sitting down with playwright Emma Carter and reading her short play, Rank. Emma Carter is a theater teaching artist and podcaster based out of Kansas City, Missouri. If you like role-play games, fantasy, or badass boss babes, check out her latest project, Spellbound, an actual play D&D podcast. For more information about Emma's work, visit emmakcarter.com. Well, we're very excited to have Emma on the show with us this week. So without further ado, we present to you Rank by Emma Carter, featuring Elisa Lynn, Spencer Thompson, and Lauren Hambleton. White Holding Room. A sleek, simple table accompanied by only one chair stands in the center of the room. There are no windows, only fluorescent light. There are two doors leading to this room, each on opposite sides. There is a beeping sound, and Nova enters through the stage right door wearing her school uniform. She seems uncertain and tense. She takes in the room, looks at the table, but doesn't sit. Instead, she takes a deep breath and tries to calm herself. Please, God. Please. I don't even know if you even exist, but if you do... Please? There is a beeping sound, and the door opposite Nova slides open. Executive Daniel Fogle enters, carrying a travel mug and a tablet. He is wearing a suit with tennis shoes. Immediately, he begins to settle himself in. Nova continues to stand politely. Good morning. Oh, sorry I'm late. Weekly staff meeting. If anyone would actually read their emails, we wouldn't have to waste 20 minutes answering pointless questions. But I'm sure you have no interest in hearing about my morning. No doubt you're anxiously awaiting your test results. Uh, Ms... Cardrew. Cardrew, yes, that's right. Nova Cardrew. Nice to meet you, Nova. My name is Daniel Fogel. Nice to meet you, Mr. Fogel. Would you like something to drink? Water? Tea? Soy latte? No, thank you. Are you sure? It's not a problem. I'll have Andromeda bring you something. He presses a button on his tablet, then begins to flip through it, reading aloud. All right, let me see. You're my first interview of the day. Oh, yes, I remember reviewing your test, Nova. Within the top 10% of your class. Congratulations. Thank you. Very nice scores. Above average, of course. Uh, no red flags. You've obviously studied hard. Thank you, sir. Although you weren't without fault, trigonometry is not your strongest point. No, uh, Mr. Fogel. Don't worry. It wasn't my strength either. We can't all be space engineers. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, according to your file, your mother was an aerospace engineer for a time. What? Your mother. Says right here she used to be an engineer, but chose to downgrade her status to level two. I... I didn't know that. Looks like that's when she married your father and became a bioengineer here in the agricultural sector. Shocked? I don't understand. My mother was ranked level one. Pop quiz. Why would a high-ranking official choose to leave their post in exchange for a lower-ranking position in a small agricultural community? I have no idea. Don't you? She... I mean... 
I guess, because of me. On level one, my mother wouldn't be allowed to have a child. She'd have to downgrade to apply for a marriage partner and bind herself to him before she'd be allowed to request a parenting license. Correct. According to this, uh, that was her justification when she appealed for a transfer. You learn something new every day, yeah? Andromeda enters with a drink for Nova. Ah, thank you, Nova. This is Andromeda, my new assistant, uh, fresh from the aquatic sector, her first day on the job. Thank you, Andromeda. Please, call me Andy. Yes, uh, thank you, Andy. Now, if you wouldn't mind standing over there, I want you to observe. Right away, sir. Back to you, Ms. Cardrew. As I was saying, your marks are consistently satisfactory. Not so high as to warrant genius, but high enough to keep you out of the immediate elimination zone. You dodged that bullet, my dear. Take a breath. Thank you. But we do have a tiny problem. By the numbers, I can't find any one area in which you excel. You are perfectly competent in just about everything, but you don't seem to have a specialty. This is surprising. You don't play sports. No, sir. You're not an artist of any sort. You don't paint, sing, play an instrument, dance. No, sir. None of your personal essay questions are particularly humorous, so we can eliminate comedian. Uh, while eloquent, you write too simply to warrant literary praise. And you are a lovely lady, my dear. But I'm afraid not beautiful enough to qualify for appearance jobs. No, sir. Would you say you have a specialty, Miss Cardrew? I don't understand, sir. Andy, explain for Ms. Cardrew. Well, uh, I mean, all professional students are expected to choose a specialty so that we may master that skill, uh, apply for the job of our choosing, and hopefully achieve level one status. You have to be the best in order to join the best. Those who succeed move up, and those who don't go where their skills are most needed. Exactly. Uh, what did you choose, Andy? Dance. I studied cultural dance throughout history. Really? How wonderful. Uh, what is your favorite genre? <laughs> Style the ancient ones referred to as tap. The name refers to the metal plates they fashioned to their shoes in order to stomp out rhythmic patterns. <laughs> During World War III, performers in support of the revolutionary movement used the style to aid the revolution by transcribing secret messages in Morse code and performing them as tap numbers during wartime spirit rallies. Huh, interesting. And what became of the performers, Andy? Well, uh, most of them were captured, tortured for information, and forced to cut off their own feet. Not surprising. Uh, and what about you, Andy? As someone obviously knowledgeable in your art, how did you end up here? My request to advance was denied. Uh, this was the only option offered to me other than taking over my family business. I was told my physical attractiveness and competent intelligence qualified me for the position. You didn't want to take over for your parents? And spend the rest of my life in that fish tank? You can't imagine the smell. Good for you, Andy. I must agree, you appear perfectly qualified for such a position, and I'm sure your dancing talents will be much appreciated at future company parties. 
particularly after we've all had too much to drink. <laughs> uh, Nova. Andy here dedicated countless hours to perfecting her skill. A skill that will serve her very little from this point on, but a skill nonetheless. She's proven she's an ambitious individual. Why didn't you try to perfect any skills outside of academics during your professional student life? I did try. Nothing stuck. No, explain further. I tried writing, singing, solving puzzles, chemistry, debate, computer programming. But there was always somebody who would do it better. And I knew I'd never surpass them, so I stopped. No drive to compete. How disappointing. It wouldn't have done any good. I didn't want to waste my time. So you're saying you're a realist? Tell me, what job would you like to perform if you had your choice? I'd like to stay here with my parents. I'd like to be their apprentice and become a bioengineer. And if that wasn't an option for you? I, I just want to go where I'm needed. So you wouldn't want to apprentice a different bioengineer? I would happily do so. But not because you love biology or agriculture? It interests me. I don't believe you. Why? Because you're lying. You're not interested in agriculture. You just want to stay close to your family. Uh, your grandparents on your father's side were also by engineers in this sector, and your father apprenticed them. Family is important to me. That it must have been hard when your grandmother retired. Yes, it was. The report says here her mind began to fail. Tell me about it. She started forgetting things, little things, but it affected her work. I helped her, but it wasn't enough. Someone decided she was no longer capable of fulfilling her duties, so they took her away to be composted. Hmm. Seems fitting, considering her profession. It's what my father said. How do you feel about it? I miss her. I regret her retirement, and I want to fulfill my duty to my family by stepping in where my grandmother left off. Who better to fill my grandmother's place than her own granddaughter? Very noble of you, Miss Cardroom. Answer me this. If I told you that assigning you the job of your choosing would result in the elimination of another individual, would you still take the job? Would I be eliminated if I didn't take it? No, we'd fit you in elsewhere. Then I wouldn't take it. And if it would be your elimination? Uh, I still wouldn't take it. You'd face elimination to spare a perfect stranger. Yes. Huh. Let's raise the stakes. Make it more personal. Between you and Andy, right now you have the power to decide. Will you eliminate her and take her place, or face elimination yourself? I can't murder somebody. If you have to kill somebody else to earn your place in the world, then you don't deserve it. Careful with your choice of vocabulary, Miss Cardrew. I'm not sure Mother Nature would agree with that. Does not the lion earn his pride by defeating his predecessor? What of the spiders who feed on the flesh of their parents immediately after hatching? Would you call those murders? I'm not a lion or a spider. I live because my parents chose to create me, and I survive because they've nurtured me, not because I've eaten their flesh. How do you feel about our laws of elimination, Nova? How do I feel about them? 
Uh, you touched on this in your personal essay. Expand. In my opinion, they are sad, but necessary means of survival. Why sad? It's sad that so many people have to die. Death is a natural part of existence. It's sad that people have to die because they're different. Different? You mean the worthless, the physically and mentally handicapped, the elderly, the terminally ill. Ill people. Burdens to a society as a whole. If I were up, if it were up to you, would you let them suck up precious resources without giving anything back? Would you let them take up space while the rest of us work for the good of our civilization? Well, yes, but what Andy, I'm trying to... Would you spare the lives of the worthless? No, uh, our society functions properly because of the laws governing reproduction rights and death sentencing. Only those who are able to give back to the community are allowed to be part of the community. Why do we function this way? Without these guidelines, we would be overrun with leeches and, and dragged down by dead weights. Our laws were created to preserve this world and ensure society functions with the highest efficiency. Our founders learned from the mis past mistakes of other civilizations. Socrates compared eliminating the worthless to trimming a tree. Uh, by pruning the lower, unhealthy branches, you ensure the health of the tree as a whole. But people aren't branches on a tree. My grandmother was not a leech. Who are you to decide whether someone can or can't give back to the community just because he isn't perfect? Andy has no authority in these affairs. I am the one who is decide. I was the one who was assigned to decide whether you can give back to this community or not, Miss Cardrew. And what have you decided? Am I a dead branch or not? There's no need to get worked up. I'm not your enemy, Nova. I'm here to help you find where you belong. Belong with my family. And yet you'd choose to let someone else take that place. Regretting your decision? Is this part of the exam? Am I still being tested? <laughs> Life is a test. Change my answer? Will it make any difference? Our choices are the only things that make a difference in this world. I suppose I've made the wrong ones. Nova, I'm going to let you in on a secret. About 95% of each graduating class is made up of talented, driven individuals who found their calling, their niche, their strength, whatever. Uh, these students usually spend years practicing and perfecting this ability, and by the time I review their final exams, it's obvious where they fit into the community, whether their strengths are the most needed and appreciated. But people like you, people like me, I'll have you know, we don't have that. We aren't defined by one distinct trait, like Andy here. But we can still serve the community somehow? Yes. You could almost say what we lack is our gift. Uh, explain to me what I mean. Uh, individuals without distinct identities must have an easier time assuming multiple roles. Roles that don't require them to excel in any one given field, but rather depend on their malleability. Basically. 
Uh, we are not doctors, lawyers, scientists, artists, superstars, or craftsmen. We fall into the other category, the everything else category. Uh, secretaries, customer service representatives, paper pushers, if we still used paper. <laughs> Uh, but we're also teachers, managers, and board members. We're the middlemen. It's not such a bad place to be. I'm not apprenticing my parents, am I? No, you're not. Someone else has surpassed your knowledge of bioengineering and requested to apprentice your parents. Who? I'm not required to tell you that, nor is it advised but I will say you were surpassed by one of your subordinates. A level three? And they're taking my place? He's taking his rightful place. He earned it. Now it's my job to figure out where you fit into the machine. You haven't decided yet? We haven't finished with the interview. So far, I've collected that you are intelligent and capable, but lack the basic drive to compete. This is unfortunate for your personal success, but indicates you would do well if put in a position of minimal power. However, you've indicated distaste for the laws that govern our world. I have to wonder, are you someone who can be easily controlled, or are you a rebel? I've never broken the law. I've never done anything remotely treasonous. Yes, you've never done anything. You've refused to participate in the competition known as survival. That's because I don't want to be a level one status. I don't want to leave my home. I, I just want to work with my family on our farm. I want to request a marriage partner and then request a child and then just live like a normal person. I know I'm nothing special. Is that why you give your life for a stranger? Because you've always known you weren't worth much. <sighs> so, not a rebel. That's a relief. In silence, Daniel may takes a moment to enter information into his tablet. So, have you figured out where I belong yet? Daniel? Yes. Yes. Uh, your answer lies on the other side of the door directly behind me. Am I leaving this sector? You'll be given more information at the next checkpoint. Do I get to say goodbye to my parents? I cannot say. Am I free to go now? You may pass through the door whenever you're ready. Daniel stands and gestures for her to pass. Nova waits for a few moments. Finally, she heads for the door, hesitates, looks back at Daniel and Andy. I'm not worth less, and neither was my grandmother. As long as you have people who love you and who you love, you're worth something. I agree. And how can you do this? This is my job. This is what I do to serve our community. Goodbye, Mr. Fogel. Andy. Nova faces the door. It dings, slides open, and she passes through. It closes behind her. Where will she be assigned? She won't. Sir? She made her choice. I don't understand. You're not going to... You said she didn't have to worry about elimination. You said she wasn't a threat after all. That's right. 
But I asked her what she would do if it were a choice between her and another. And that's the situation? There are only so many positions available. Surely there must be something she can do. She will be recycled. It's possible her body parts could go to good use in proving the life of superior minds we can't afford to lose. It fits her profile. She doesn't have the proper survival instincts. She would rather die to serve another, and so we'll let her. She isn't the first. I didn't know that. I know it's your first day, Andy, but I'm surprised at you. Moments ago, you supported the system, trimming the tree of society. Yes, but... I was asked similar questions during my interview. I told them I would choose to eliminate the stranger. Survival instincts. Did my choice result in someone else's elimination? Most likely. But you asked her what she would do if it were a choice between her and me. I did. Lucky for you, she's a kind-hearted fool. Better hope the next interviewee is just as kind. <laughs> would you mind grabbing me another cup of coffee? We'll be starting in a few minutes. End of play. Hello, Emma. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Welcome, welcome. I'm doing well. How are you two doing? Doing all right. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City. Yeah, we've got some nice weather out here in uh, Southern California. It's finally evening out to that 75 and sunny, so. Gorgeous. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I have done nothing today so far. I Love it. I did yoga actually. I did do some yoga, and then I played some Stardew Valley. Right. And <laughs> my partner plays that all the time. It's She's just, a big fan. It's what I need right now. It's it's the escape that I need from my yeah. apartment. All those without Animal Crossing are going to Stardew Valley. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Um. Well, thank you for sharing Rank with us. We had a really, really awesome time uh, reading it. We had a great cast, Spencer, Spencer read with us. Um, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what inspired it for you. So uh, I Rank, I actually, I wrote Rank. It was one of the first short plays that I wrote. I wanna say maybe the second or third short play that I wrote um, after I moved to Kansas City. I was primarily working as an actress or trying to work as an actress. And after getting a couple of gigs, like right up front, I went through a period where I really wasn't booking anything. And so I needed a creative outlet and I decided to start writing again because I'd always loved writing as a, as a teen, like all throughout my childhood. And I, I wrote rank within, I want to say within my first two years of Kansas City, because I'm remembering in my brain what my apartment looked like when I wrote it. And it was the first apartment that I moved to when I was in Kansas City. Um, so this one was just kind of, I think it was the result of having recently graduated and feeling displaced. And like, I still needed to prove myself in the world to, uh, to yeah. get to where I wanted to be. You know, coming out of the education system really can feel like a death sentence in some ways for a lot of people and uh we we see people all the time who are really good at something but they can't find a way to make that thing work for them 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And how do you turn that into a career uh, or to feel valued within that? Uh, Especially in the arts, we we tend to have to kind of fight, even if you're a really good uh, actor or actress, Mm -hmm. you have to fight. And it's not always seen uh, as as valuable to society, depending on uh, who you're talking to. I know a lot of people, I know my parents don't quite understand that. And while it's incredibly valuable, just it's very kind of an old school perspective to see if you're not doing this specific thing, that you're not contributing as much as a scientist or a doctor. Oh yeah. Well, in terms of even what's happening right now with how, Mm -hmm with unemployment because i'm on unemployment now Mm -hmm, Um, me too and it took a while like like but how at first i i didn't think i was going to qualify because i've been freelance for a couple of years and i only recently started working a uh a a full-time date not full-time a part-time day job about 30 hours a week but i felt like oh well because of what i do i'm not worth unemployment in the in Mm -hmm. the eyes of our government my my contribution to the world as a teaching artist isn't like monetarily valuable enough to to deserve unemployment support so that was yeah. a, like a reality and that's uh i actually refiled my unemployment claim because i was trying to file it within the time period that it would count my work at the spa where i was working so that i would qualify and i think that was before we knew that people would get like an extra 600 with each week. Yeah. Cause I was just trying to, to get as much as I could not knowing if that was going to happen or not. Yeah. I I'm in the same boat and you know, I know, I know a lot of people are as, as freelance artists, as contract artists. Um, like I work in event services and <laughs> there's no events for the foreseeable future. <laughs> like, and summer's our slow season anyways. So, you know, our busy season was just wiped away. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you know, you find you find good humor in it, though, and you know, it's it's spawned this project, and and I'm pretty passionate about this project. Um, I'm I'm getting to talk to you. Uh, I wouldn't be getting to talk to you and some of these other wonderful playwrights that um, we've already read with and are lined up to read with. So, um, you know, silver linings in it all for sure. Yeah. So you said rank was kind of you getting back into writing out. Oh, what kind of pushed you forward into uh, starting writing full-length plays? You have some fantastic full-length plays. Wicked Creatures had its full premiere here uh, last year in Kansas City, and it was fantastic. Uh, tell us kind of about your writing style and what you look to achieve in your writing. So I am a selfish writer. Um, I really write for myself <laughs> and that sounds awful because I know a lot of like, it, it's very important in the, in the world of, of, of the arts to write, write about things that are topical and necessary mm-hmm. and that, you know, we really want to make sure that we're bringing to the, that we're holding the mirror up to, but I'm a very selfish writer. I write what I want to write because that's what's in my head or yeah. maybe there's something yeah. that I'm processing or there's a question that I have, or there's something that I don't see out there. And I think if I were an actress, which, you know, at the time I was writing this, I was and still am. Um, like, I think, oh, I would love to play a part like this. Or, oh, I, I want to write. Um, I actually went to an all-women's college, and a Stevens College, um, and I was part of an all-female uh, acting troupe. 
where we produced a full season, a, a student run theater full season. And it was part of my job to find plays that were made up of entirely female casts. Um, and rank isn't an entirely female cast, but all of, all of the plays that I had to read through to try and find a good play for an all female cast. And this was back in 2010 to 2013. It was, I had to just read a lot of really bad plays. <laughs> um, or well, you have to. Um, and we didn't have the new play exchange back then. So it really no, was. No, and what like, a great resource now. Oh my God, if we had had that back then, my life would have been <laughs> 10 times easier because I could have just hopped right on and said, okay, five women, one male, or all female, or, and then yeah. I would have had so many, I, I would like, the librarian and I conspired to like find these all female plays and he was amazing and he would like, purchase um um unpublished uh scripts that had like that weren't published yet just so that we could read it to see if it would work for us like I just remember the hoops that I went through to try and find good plays for our theater and so I think part of me what I part of me as a as a writer I, I always have that in my head of like well I'm gonna write the plays that I couldn't find or that I'm gonna write the plays that I would want to be in or I would want to produce so. Well, your female characters are always so amazing. They're always these great, strong roles that any woman would want to play. It's just something that I'm like, oh, wow, that is exactly something that I would want to do. Uh, it's a lot of roles you don't see and stuff. Everybody's very headstrong uh, and just strong characters. A lot of development. A lot Even of development. In this uh, short play, there's a lot of development with uh, these characters. Absolutely. Um, oh, go ahead. Uh, so what have you been doing with your quarantine? So I have been, for my quarantine, right before quarantine started, I had just started a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with a group of yes. friends. Yes. <laughs> which, um, I, and it's my first campaign as a DM. Wow. Oh, um, congratulations. Thank you. That's well, a transition. I, that's a hard that's a hard life. <laughs> and I gave myself the extra the extra layer of also wanting to make it a podcast. So I am DMing and producing a podcast with three of my lovely lady friends, uh, Kelsey Botwin Caruza, Rebecca Munez, or Rebecca Smith, and Lydia Miller. Um, and they're my players, and we play, and then I, I turn it into a podcast, and uh, we've been releasing it as Spellbound, an actual play D&D podcast, and we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and a couple of other random ones that are a little more obscure, but <laughs> nice. Um, so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that's awesome. Fun. That's an excellent way to uh, spend quarantine, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, quite the D&D fanatic myself. We... Uh, we play quite a bit here in our house, so. And it's um, such a great way to build up everything as a writer and as an actor, having to work on the fly so much. I feel people don't give D&D the credit of, it's, it's training, it is. It really it is. It's training. It um, is. It combines so many theatrical elements. I really think that specifically like in the art scene, I understand why so many of us play it now because it's everything that we wanna, we wanna do. We're telling a story together. We're getting into character. Um, we're escaping reality, which right now is, is, is ideal. It's just such a great mode of storytelling. I think that, you know, getting together on a table and just experiencing a story with your friends in a very casual environment you know, as, as a theater artist, like we said, it's really satisfying and very, very helpful and fruitful. 
I think so. This podcast will be a cool kind of time capsule of what I did during quarantine. So that's, that's mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, I need, I'll need to make sure to go check it out. When it was Spellbound, an actual play D&D &D podcast? Yep. And if you just type in Spellbound, it's the, it's the icon of like a moon and a kingdom and it's all blue and silvery. Hell yeah. I will make sure to check <laughs> this out this afternoon. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us, Emma. It was really a pleasure reading your play and getting to chat with you. Thank you. I gen I'm really excited to listen to the reading. When can I, when can I listen to it? Do you guys have like a timetable for when that episode will be released? Uh, we are recording this on Sunday. It should be up. It should be on Spotify tomorrow and most mm. elsewhere on Tuesday. Um, I'm still waiting for our uh, Apple podcast stuff to come through. <laughs> so one day, one day it'll be on Apple podcast, uh, <laughs> but that day is not this day. <laughs> well, I will definitely check it out on Spotify tomorrow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emma. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank Lucas. You. Thank you, Spencer. This is awesome. Fun. Yeah, very fun. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Shelter in Play is a roaming theater collaborative production produced by Spencer Thompson and Lucas James Nelson. We want to extend a special thank you to Emma for sitting down with us and letting us read her wonderful play, and also to our wonderful cast, Elisa, Spencer, and Lauren. For the latest news and updates, give us a like on Facebook at Roaming Theater Collaborative, or follow us on Instagram at Roaming Theater. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>